I invite you to rise for the gospel. The gospel this morning is the baptismal account of Jesus. It's taken from Mark chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. Once again, of course, we hear about John the Baptist and then Jesus coming to him. So because it's coming from Mark, it's, it's very succinct and to the point. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of the Holy Word. You may be seated. Now that the uh, Advent wreath is gone, I got my dancing space back. Let us pray. Loving and most merciful God, we thank you for this day that you have given us. But more than that, we thank you for the seven days into this new year. And we ask now that you would continue to consecrate our hearts, that we might be geared for service, or at least for the opportunity to respond to that call for renewal, that as you breathe your word into us, we are animated by it, we go forth, we recognize the gifts that you have given us, and we utilize them. Bless our communities and our surroundings and those we are privileged to serve. In all things, we ask now that the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts, would be as an offering to you, and hopefully that you would find it pleasing. Renew us, strengthen us, and allow us once again to be able to hear and to respond. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Well, grace and peace to each and every one of you as we enter into this new year. And as, we, <laughs> as I was thinking about this passage today, I was like, gosh, did I wear John the Baptist out in Advent? Because we always have those two weeks in Advent where you, you look at John the Baptist because he is that crucial of a biblical character because he is the one, the, the, the final prophet to sort of proclaim the Messiah's arrival. So he's a, he's a very important biblical figure. But now we have this passage where we hear John's being mentioned because you have to be reminded of what his call was to do, what his responsibility was to do. And he was, he was calling people forth as a how is the best way to describe John? John was, well, not only was he a prophet, he was uh, an accountability partner, right? That's to use the parlance of our times. He was an accountability partner because he understood that the Messiah was going to come and transform people's understanding of not only their role in the world, but their relationship with God. And he didn't want, John didn't want these people to be caught short and to be caught by surprise. It's like, well, well, we didn't know what the Messiah was going to expect of us. No one told us. No one gave us the, the lay of the land. So John is very definitive and very direct in his message, preaching a baptism of repentance 
for the forgiveness of sins. So as he deals with the crowds that are coming out to see him, partly, maybe some people were feeling convicted and coming and feeling as if somehow the weight and the burden of their, their life's conduct was one that required an about face, a turnaround, or required some different direction. And others were probably coming out for the spectacle. To see this man who was clothed in camel's hair, who I don't think he was like snacking on locusts and wild honey while he was preaching the proclamation, but there was a sense in which John, in his very appearance and his mannerisms, would be a pretty good show. So folks would like to go and check out this spectacle of this raggedy man by the Jordan telling us that we need to get our life and our minds right. So with this invitation that John is extending, and he doesn't say that, that, that it's only for some. He said it's for anyone who wants to anticipate the arrival of the Messiah and to prepare themselves. What we need to understand is that the baptism that John was preaching for the repentance of sins was different from Jesus who enters into baptism as... Uh, as part of the prophecy. Jesus enters in because when, when Jesus enters into his baptism, it is about him beginning to not only respond to the prophet's invitation, but to prepare himself for what is going to be his charge in his role in life. He doesn't present himself for a repentance of sins. He is presenting himself in order that he might start with the blessing of God to go forth and to start building this ministry which, which God has set him apart for. And one of the things that we note is that when, see, because this is Mark, we don't have the exchange between John the Baptist and Jesus. So I don't want to, I just want to deal with what with, with Mark, Mark says. Mark says, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and as he is baptized by John, he rises up out of the water, and immediately he is demarcated. He is demarcated, and the Spirit descends upon him, and a voice from heaven says, This is my Son, the Beloved, in whom I am well pleased. We hear this voice again of God when Jesus takes his three inner disciples, Peter, James, and John, up to the top of Mount Tabor to be transfigured. And when the cloud comes, after his conversation with Moses and Elijah, the cloud comes and says, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. So when I encounter the baptism of Jesus text, I always think about, I'm trying to think about, you know, what's the connection in that for us? It's like, it's great. Jesus was baptized. Many of us had our baptism. Uh, maybe the heavens didn't part open. Maybe doves didn't come and descend upon us in Holy Spirit. But we probably had parties afterwards, so it wasn't all a loss, right? But our baptism in relationship to Jesus's is vastly different because Jesus finds out at his baptism that indeed he is consecrated for a purpose. And I always think about what that must be like to, to get affirmation from heaven, right? To get affirmation from heaven that indeed you are who I have established. You are, you are, you are my son. I am pleased with you. And I am with you. And, again, Mark doesn't tell us this, but we know from 
our reading of Scripture, that immediately after Jesus was baptized, he was driven into the wilderness for 40 days. Because after you received the news that you were God's favorite one, I think you might need some time to kind of work that out in, in, you know, in the wilderness. You need to kind of go into deep meditation to figure out what exactly does this mean? And how can I use this, this new awareness of myself uh, appropriately and to the glory of God? That is where Jesus' baptism intersects with us. And maybe, maybe I should start stressing this more. Maybe this is going to change the way I do baptisms in the future. Probably won't, but you know, I, preachers talk. I just like to say this kind of stuff just to amuse you. But, but it should. It should change our perception of baptisms as we go forward because when we set uh, God's symbolic seal, God's prayer upon an individual, be they an infant or an adult, there should be a, a marked response. There should be the understanding that something has happened in this individual's life that it's not business as usual anymore. We treat it like business as usual. We, you know, we do the sacraments, we go through the motions. It's uh, muscle memory. We understand it's something involved with water. <laughs> something involved with sometimes kids who break forth and try to push it away or cry and we laugh. <laughs> and you know, we go through the motions. It's, it's, it's like it's lost its, it's lost its impact on us. I don't think we would have been laughing and smiling when Jesus comes up and we see the heavens open and there's a voice. And scholars don't tell us whether the voice was heard by Jesus himself or if it was heard by the surrounding observers because Jesus, uh, John, when he was baptizing, always had a few bit of a crowd around him. So we don't understand if, we'll never know, if it was just Jesus who heard the voice, if it was everyone who heard the voice in order the, to be able to recognize this is the Messiah, right? Like, like this, the big sign pointing towards him. He is the one who is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. But the reason why I say that this should change our understanding of baptism is because when, we set, when God sets a seal upon us, there is a new, there's a new responsibility. There's a new responsibility on those of us who have received that blessing. And even if we are still too young to truly understand what's happening, there are those who have witnessed that who understand or who should understand what's happening and they can keep us responsible and accountable for that. So Jesus rising up, who submits himself for baptism, comes up, hears that he is the well-pleasing Son of God goes into the wilderness and realizes, okay, now if this is who I am, if this is who God has called me to be, how do I, make, how do I maximize and make the best possible use of this, this definition that has been laid upon me? And I think we, we need to settle into the definitions that God gives to us that when we start to think about what we do well, not just what we do for work, but what we actually do well, what we excel at, things that just come with ease. I read a devotional once, and it doesn't matter who wrote the devotional. It wasn't mine, but it was a devotional that I read, and it says the things that come easy to you, the things that you don't have to think, it's almost like second nature. Those are the God-given gifts that you were called to share with the world because it's no effort for you to do these things. You're like, you know how easy this is for me? You know how there are people who just have a natural head for figures? The rest of us are like, I can't get it. Go over to me one more time. And the person's like, this is just so easy. <laughs> they're, just, they're just naturally good with figures. 
And when you have a propensity to be able to do something and you don't have to think twice for it uh, and, and it just happens, we're all the more obligated to use that God-given ability to bless the world. I feel that that's, that's, that's us coming to worship, hearing once again that we are God's sons and daughters, that we are the children of the light, that we are the ones who are going to keep the mantle of Christ alive in the world. When we hear that, we should not leave the church or the, the worshiping environment with a sense of diminishment, feeling as if, well, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself, and I don't know really what my, my call is, and I don't know how I should apply myself. You have heard, as Jesus has heard, that indeed we are set apart for a purpose. And that purpose, if it has not already become evident to us, will in time, because there are individuals who observe us, they tell us what we're good at. They tell us, you just seem to be a natural for that. We have to trust these things. We have to be able to realize that because if Jesus didn't trust the voice that he had heard, if he didn't believe indeed that he was set apart for this purpose to be able to bring individuals into direct contact with the living God, we wouldn't be having much gospel to talk about. We wouldn't be able to lift that gospel up uh, year after year, millennial after millennial, century after century, and carry these stories forward. We would not be able to do that if he didn't first believe, indeed, what was said about him and take that to heart. So I always feel that, that worship for us, devotions for us, prayer time for us is always that time when we reestablish our sets of definitions that we are spiritual beings. And that as spiritual beings, that we can go and enact change in the world right now, that we can bring a blessing right now, that we can bring the fullness right now wherever we happen to be. And we don't have to wait until we go and get, well, I got to go and research this one. I better go back to school and check this one up and I'll get back to you as soon as I have to. No, you can offer the prayer and you can offer the uplift right where you stand, right where you are, because God is with you. This is, this is what I've been trying to drive home in successive sermons over my time of tenure as the minister at First Congregational is that you are not alone. And Jesus hears this. This is what happens when the man's coming up out of the water. He's hearing, Jesus, I am with you. You are somebody to me. You are significant. Now get on into the wilderness and think about these things that I have told you. And Jesus' head is smoking. I got to go. John, I'll see you later. I got to go to the wilderness because this is a doozy. I just heard from God that God is pleased with me. I haven't even done anything yet. I haven't called disciple one. But God is with me. And if God is with me, then significant things, things are going to start happening now. <laughs> right? And this is, this, this is, this is what, this is what I want us to understand. Is that we can feel, we can feel the, the hand or the presence of God and the Holy Spirit on our good days, on the days when everything's just firing, everything's just clicking. I mean, we're just making moves, we're making it happen. We feel like, wow, this is an impressive day. I'm, I'm really affecting change. Things are working out right. I'm feeling successful. And you can feel 
you can feel as if somehow you're just like riding on the blessings. There's, 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 there's no obstacles in your way. It's just a row of green lights. Of course, we hardly have any stoplights. This is a useless metaphor here because, you know, you can drive forever before you hit a stoplight unless you go to prairie. But there are days like that when we feel deeply, deeply connected with the divine because things are operating exactly as we had envisioned them. But what about on those days when everything's crap? <laughs> right? And that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a clinical term. <laughs> but what about on those days when all of a sudden you're like, I don't even know why I got out of bed today. Because from the moment I got out of bed, everything's been going downhill. I've been going right with it. <laughs> right with it. At full, full speed. Some of us have years like that where it's just like we've been sli- we got a bit of sliding down the whole year. Ah! Right? It's garbage. What about on those times? We don't think about God on those times except for like, this is God, you have done this to me. Why have you forsaken me? That's a familiar cry. <laughs> I want to appeal to you that it's in those times when we are when we are duty-bound, duty-bound. It's not on your best day. It's on your worst day that you were duty-bound to return to the promises of God. The promises that were probably made at your baptism. The promises that are renewed every time we take communion. The promises when we, when we bow our heads in prayer and, and, and when we join together in fellowship. That, that it's on those days when we are not operating according to our full set of gifts is when we need to remind ourselves that we are not alone. That some of us dwell in the wil- a metaphorical wilderness wondering how is it that we can get from this God who has created us beautiful and efficient and perfect and, and even in, in the midst of, of our problems, we are still worthy to be loved. But when we think, today I'm not feeling very lovable, I'm not feeling very loving. I'm not, pre- I'm not presentable. It's not a question that your hair is messed up. It's like you're spiritually not presentable. You don't, you don't, it's like I don't want to interact with any people today because I am not feeling loving. I'm not feeling forgiving. I'm, I'm just, I'm not there yet. And I'm afraid I might say something to jeopardize this relationship. I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling I'm on the verge of being unpleasant. Right? I mean, that's a, that's a very nice way of saying, you're going to just let it fly. Right? And, and people better be careful about what might be coming their way if they push a button. I'm talking about those days is when you need to just give yourself a moment. You need to give yourself a moment and say, you know what? I'm not presentable. I'm going to go get myself presentable. I don't, look, I don't know Maybe some of you are self-employed. That's good. Good for you. Because then you can take as much time as you want. Those of you who have other employers and say, you can't go get presentable right now. you got to deal with clients. <laughs> right? You take, you call it, a, call it a restroom break. Whatever it is you need to go and center yourself in prayer, this is very important. This is very important because we don't know what this, what this year is going to dish up. And in my case, I hope it dishes up stuff better than it did for my family, last year. <laughs> but, but whatever this year does decide to dish up, you're going to need to have your prayer game in order. Because if it's not happening to you, it's happening to somebody that you love. 
Somewhere there's going to be some hardship. Somewhere there's going to be some misfortune. Somewhere there's going to be a little bit of misery. Somewhere there's going to be a, a, a diagnosis, a health concern, a death, something unexpected, an accident. Somewhere it is, it is coming. This is the preview of coming attractions because that's how life is. You're going to need to be on your prayer game because you're going to need to be reminded as we all need to be reminded each and every day that we are not alone. And that's what, that's, this is where Jesus' baptism is taking me today. And Jesus, Jesus rises up and it's not a question of, oh, he's who lived without sin and John, none of that. Today, Jesus' baptism tells me that God reminds Jesus that he is not alone, that God reminds Jesus that he is worthy to be loved and is loved. And it also tells me that Jesus, no matter what you are going to incur in your ministry, I am with you. And that's the closest that I can connect that to what we need to hear each and every day around the clock, whether there's somebody who's telling us, whether we're hearing it on, 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 on religious radio and programming, or whether we just like have that deeply embedded in our hearts. Because what happens is, is that when we are valiant in our spiritual presentation, that becomes readily apparent to those who, who interact with our witness. They see the confidence. Even, even if we're burdened, they see the confidence that comes through with the fact that we know we will overcome these obstacles. We will overcome these hardships. <sighs> Stuff is real. We have to trust that it's real. We have to trust that, that transformation is so tangible that it, 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 can't, it can't be erased. And we don't want it to be erased. We want it to continue to to bolster our position each day. So whether it's one of those, you know, diamond days that everything is just right, or whether it's one of those days filled with ash and hardship, either way, the core message is that today is a day that we live with a God who is pleased with us. Amen.